0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Archbishop's Corner. This is where we meet each week to talk with Hartford Archbishop Leonard Blair about faith, morals, the life of the Church today, and how the Gospel makes sense in an ever-changing world. This is where we go to find the answers to our lingering questions about the teachings of the Church, living the faith life of a Catholic in contemporary society, and developing a stronger relationship with God. I'm Father John Gatzak with many questions that you and I will ask Archbishop Blair as he responds to what matters to you in the Archbishop's Corner. God cannot help you unless you allow God to help you. Many of us could be accused of trying to out-God God. We think we know more than God. We think we can do more than God. We actually believe that what we want and how we want it is better than the way that God can bring it to us. In fact, we get so busy doing what we do the way we do it, There is no opportunity for God to get into our lives at all. God is so merciful. God will not fight you. If God did, you would get beat up badly. Most of us could use a divine butt whipping. Instead, God sits back and waits to be invited into your life. God will let you do whatever you want to do until you realize that God can do it better. If you want to run the show, God will let you. If you want to pull all the strings, that's up to you. If you want to insist that what you are doing is the way it should be done, even when you are not getting anywhere, go right ahead. God will let you run yourself ragged if you choose to do so. Unfortunately, you may not always be aware that you are in God's way. You think you are demonstrating your independence. You think that it's all up to you and that you must do it or it won't get done. God knows better. God knows that God cannot fail. However, God has no need to prove to you what God can do. How do you know when you are in God's way? How do you know when you are running your program rather than allowing God's divine plan to unfold? It's very simple. We're here in the Archbishop's Corner where Hartford Archbishop Leonard Blair is here to help you know when you are in God's way. If you are struggling to make things happen and they are not happening, it's you, not God, running the show. Until today, you may have been directing your own life and attempting to produce your own blessing. Just for today, ask for direction. In the Archbishop's Corner, you can open yourself to God's guidance. It's where you can give up your attachments to having things your way and open yourself up to God's way. So thank you, Archbishop Blair, for helping us see the unfolding of God's divine plan in our lives and helping us trust enough to step aside and let God get into our lives. How are you?
0: I'm fine, thank you.
1: How are your spirits? I talk to a lot of people who are depressed and This pandemic is weighing so heavy on their shoulders. They're they're feeling its intensity now more than ever. So how are you doing?
0: Well, I I would say that to the extent that I'm able to fulfill my responsibilities and uh, still deal with people through Zoom or other means, I'm doing fine. I think, obviously, we all feel, you know, it's been a whole year now, almost, almost a year Mm -hmm. that we are cooped up. And not able to do the, the many of the pastoral things that I would normally be doing. So obviously, I guess though the old saying is fulfilled better to light a candle than curse the darkness. You know, uh, so we have to each do our best to um, uh, to to use what comes our way to love God and our neighbor. And I, you know, uh, Christianity, our faith is about bearing a cross. And uh, I've tried to point out to people, and I mean it very sincerely that even in the midst of these woes, there have been signs, good signs, and good can come out of these situations. There are blessings to be had, uh, and maybe God uh, is using what is uh, a bad thing uh, to teach us good things. You know, I wrote that homily for Easter about the old Broadway musical, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, Uh, and. maybe sometimes the world has kind of stopped for us, at least the world that we were accustomed to. And it's a chance uh, maybe to deepen some things that perhaps we took for granted or or weren't attentive to. I know even among our priests, you know, some feel that with people not going to Mass for over a year, that we're in danger of losing many people from going. Other priests have expressed a very hopeful view that they're convinced that... Uh, this will be, uh, give rise to a, a re-energized, a reawakened faith on the part of a lot of people. I don't know. None of us knows. Right. But we have to put all our confidence and trust in God uh, in the midst of the crosses and sufferings that we have.
1: Well, speaking of Mass attendance, you've just extended the dispensation from the obligation to attend Sunday Mass. When is that dispensation good until at this point well
0: i've extended it through pentecost sunday which is what may 20 i forget the exact mm. dates at the end of may i'm sure that our priests will publish this uh and it's on our and website and who knows we have to keep playing it by ear so to speak uh but it is very sad to me that it's but this will be an, another lent another even easter another pentecost where we're in the situation we do continue to press for some opening further in our churches that are big to have more than a hundred people because we can they're so big we can easily accommodate safely a larger number of people. But on the other hand, I think that uh the our people themselves, our Catholic people, are not pounding on the door in droves to come back. I think many most people are taking this very seriously. As we should. As we should. And uh, to be safe, they're not, uh, you know, coming to church. And I have dispensed everybody. We just have to see how it plays out.
1: Talking about some of the good that has come about, tomorrow is the start of Catholic Schools Week. And the theme this year is Catholic Schools, Faith, Excellence, and Service. And throughout the week, schools focus on the value that Catholic education provides to young people and its contributions to our church, our communities, our nation. Schools typically observe the annual celebration week with masses and open houses and other activities for students, families, parishioners, the community. But because of COVID-19, obviously, this will make celebrations challenging. What effect has the pandemic had on our Catholic schools? Any success stories that you've heard of?
0: Well, yes, there are success stories. We have been able to keep them open safely now even as I say that you know there can always be something that arises but I do think that parents would prefer that their children be able to to go to school and uh, we in the archdiocese our schools have proved to be safe Uh, again I fully acknowledge that there have been some hiccups here of of cases where have arisen or things could change but thanks be to God so far so so good. And I think that's a, a very important uh, thing. Also, you know, we're putting our heart and soul into trying to establish these new academies. To, to, you know, where parish schools have diminished greatly uh, because of uh, demographics of numbers of children and because of uh, uh, the economics, the reality is that we've tried new initiatives and we're really struggling trying to make them work. When I say struggling, I mean it takes constant vigilance uh, to provide the background, of the, the money, and the and the students that you need to have a school. And for Catholic schools this week, as Catholic schools week this year, obviously it's a different situation. But I want to commend all of our academies, our, our, our teachers, our school boosters, parents, and pastors. You know, for for uh, doing what they're doing.
1: And on Tuesday, the Church celebrates the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, which commemorates the presentation of Jesus in the temple and the purification of Mary 40 days after his birth. This day is also known as Candlemas, since the blessing and procession of candles is included in the day's liturgy. Talk to us a minute about the significance of this feast as it relates to the life of Jesus.
0: Well, the child Jesus is presented in the temple, and uh, this brings to mind the image of light you know jesus said you know that he is the light of the world and when the baby christ is brought into the temple of israel's faith the the temple that was established at at the command of god with the divine presence the the pro- prophecies are fulfilled and and christ becomes the living temple the light and so one of the ways we kind of celebrate it is the blessing of candles because candles are lit to give light, uh, their source of light, nice, beautiful symbol. And uh, of course, the, those blessings can still take place even though uh, under COVID, uh, you know, we are more restricted in what we do.
1: The following day, however, the church observes the feast of St. Blaise. And we know more about the devotion to St. Blaise than we know about the saint himself. And one of the reasons for St. Blaise's popularity arose from the fact that he was a physician who cured others, even performing miraculous cures. For decades, Catholics here in the United States have sought the annual St. Blaise Blessing of the Throats. Will this practice take place this year with the restrictions, any restrictions because of the pandemic?
0: Well, the right uh, for doing that Blessing of Throats already provides that a general blessing can be conferred uh, on people. Uh, without, uh, you know, the individual contact. So this would be a case where that would would happen, you know. I think, uh, so yes, there'll be the blessing, but it won't necessarily be in the form that, uh, that we're accustomed to. The priest or deacon simply gives the blessing to everybody by extending hands without the crossed candles. That's the way it can be done.
1: And we do this blessing also on television, so that people at home might receive the blessing of the throats as well. Let's now take a look, Archbishop, at happiness in life, and this is where we examine the wisdom of Pope Francis that's drawn from some of his writings. I'll read a short portion of the Holy Father's address, and then we'll ask you to comment with your own thoughts and reflection on what Pope Francis has said. This is taken from Pope Francis's message delivered on May 11th of 2014 and it's called, Open Your Heart to Noble Ideals. The Pope says, No calling creates itself or lives for itself. No, a calling flows from the heart of God and blossoms in the rich soil of the faithful in the experience of brotherly love. Didn't Jesus say, This is how all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another? The true joy of those who are called consists in believing and experiencing that he, the Lord, is faithful and that we can walk with him, be his disciples and witnesses of his love and open our hearts to noble ideals, to great things. Archbishop, your thoughts.
0: When the Pope says no calling creates itself or lives for itself, that is a fundamental um, truth of faith that we were created by God, we, were, we are destined to be happy forever with God in heaven and that life is not just – how can I say it? It's not just an existence, but it's a vocation. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Life is not an existence, it's a vocation. And, of course, the word vocation comes from the Latin vocati to call. It's a calling. Uh, We often think of uh, priests or religious life as a calling. Uh, But uh, marriage is a calling. Public service is a calling. Being a, a father or mother is a calling. Uh, we all have, these are God given vocations. And therefore, when we apply ourselves to use it uh, to further love for God and neighbor, uh, then we are uh, fulfilling the purpose for which we were created. And we're preparing ourselves to re- receive blessings both in this life and in the world to come. Not without the cross, of course, but uh, that, that is uh, how we fulfill our, our life. Uh, you know, St. Uh, John Henry Newman talked about us being this l- this link in a chain. Uh, it's a really very powerful and appropriate um, image that we are all links in a chain uh, mm. uh, of, of humanity uh, that goes back through the ages and, and forward till the end of time. And uh, we have our part to play. We're entrusted with something that's entrusted to no one else. No one will ever live our life again or has before. And so we have to make the most of it with, uh, with God's grace and by responding with faith, hope, and love.
1: To get back to the idea of calling for a second, rather than be narrow in our definition of calling, we should be very broad and realize that God is involved in so many aspects and facets of our lives and different callings, Correct.
0: Well, yes, it's as diverse as there are people and and uh, different things to be done, witnesses to be given, thoughts to be thunk. <laughs> I sound like the Wizard of Oz, Thought, mm-hmm. thoughts to be thunk. Uh, uh, I think the straw man said something like that. But uh, the point is that, uh, you know, we live surrounded by, uh, well, again, to use Cardinal Newman's image, I'm sure I mentioned it before, that Only the thinnest of veils separates us from from unseen eternity. And, of course, at the moment of our death, suddenly we pierce that veil, go to the other side, so to speak. But all of that's around us all the time. God is present to us at every moment. Uh, Heaven is present to us at every moment. Uh, But we can only perceive that and actually enter it through faith and prayer.
1: Let's take a look now at our Gospel reading for today. This Gospel on the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time is from Mark's Gospel after a dramatic presentation, and we'll talk with you about your thoughts. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out,
0: What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him. Be silent,
1: and come out of him.
0: And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and
1: crying with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves,
0: What is this? A new teaching. With authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame
1: spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Archbishop, we hear Jesus astonish the people as he taught. What are your thoughts on this gospel?
0: Well, clearly, uh, Jesus um, is a teacher, a rabbi, teacher. And teaching is a very essential part of the the gospel itself, is teaching in words of the one who is the supreme teacher and lesson, namely, Jesus himself. Uh, You know, Jesus said, whoever sees me, sees the Father. Uh, It is the revelation of God. And of course, a large part of this particular gospel is also taken up with an exorcism uh, that Jesus uh, rebukes an unclean spirit. The people say even unclean spirits obey him and he teaches with a new authority. Well, that's important. That Jesus, all authority is given to Jesus by the Father in heaven and on earth, and also in our day, where there's this increasing, persistent rationalistic view to think that uh, the devil is not real, but just a figment of our imagination, a projection of certain uh, human experiences or ideas, is profoundly false. You know, Pope Francis speaks a lot about the reality of the evil one, of the mm-hmm. devil. And I can assure you, as you know, uh, in, in the world and in our own diocese, there is need a need for an exorcist that uh, today, especially as people abandon faith more and more, m- at least m- many do, um, and stop practicing their faith and the sacraments, uh, they don't realize that they can become prey then To evil things and they even sometimes toy with these things in ways that are that are very dangerous.
1: Could we say that that people sometimes open the door for the entrance of the demonic into their lives?
0: Yes and uh, very much so and you know if you live uh, a life of debauchery uh, and of utter indifference uh, and you engage in things that are intrinsically evil and you have no sense of repentance whatsoever You know, the sign of the devil is anger uh, Mm -hmm. and division. And I think all of us have to acknowledge that there's a tremendous anger and division that is overtaking not only our own country, but so much of the world. And dare I say it, it's even trying to insinuate itself in the church. And these things are not from God. We have to be very, very discerning and careful. And we have to, as St. Paul says, put on the armor that God gives us, and he uses a beautiful imagery of the helmet, the breastplate, the sword, uh, that are all spiritual things to fight this.
1: Hence, you've asked all parishes throughout the archdiocese uh, to pray the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel after Mass. On Sundays, yes. Some do
0: it every day, but I ask that it be done after Sunday Masses. And like anything these days, uh, some uh, parishes don't do it, even though the archbishop directed them to do it. Sometimes people have said things like, "Oh, we can't speak about the devil because it scares the children." Well, I assure you that if you don't speak about the devil or educate the children about the reality of evil, not in a in a irresponsible way, but in a good way, you know, it's going to be scarier for them than you think. I, as a child growing up and learning our catechism, I don't think. I was ever scarred or, uh, or marred by the fact that we were of what the gospel, the very gospel we've just we we're talking about. Uh, that I don't think anybody's been psychologically scarred by that.
1: Archbishop, let's look at some of the questions that have been submitted by our listeners. But before we get to that, I want to ask you, uh, last week you spoke in favor of the statement by Archbishop Jose Gomez, president of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, who said that he looked forward to working with our nation's second Catholic president, Joe Biden, and his administration and the new Congress. And he also said, quote, As with every administration, there will be areas where we agree and work closely together and areas where we will have principled disagreement and strong opposition. He spoke of a major disagreement this way. We have deep concerns about many threats to human life and dignity in our society, but as Pope Francis teaches, we cannot stay silent when nearly a million unborn lives are being cast aside in our country year after year through abortion. Since then... The president and vice president, Kamala Harris, spoke of abortion as a, quote, reproductive health care and promised to write into federal law the abortion rights that the Supreme Court created in 1973's Roe v. Wade decision. Archbishop Joseph Nauman of Kansas City, the Bishop's Conference pro-life chairman, reacted to this by saying, it is deeply disturbing and tragic that any president would praise and commit to codifying a Supreme Court ruling that denies unborn children their most basic human and civil right, the right to life under the euphemistic disguise of a health service. Can you tell us what you think of the president's plans, Archbishop?
0: Well, I certainly agree with uh, Archbishop Nauman. He's not, you know, when you talk about agree or disagree or whatever, this is, this is nothing new. I mean, right. the, the, the church has been a fearless, courageous witness, and... I, I, um, I say the church, I'm not naive. I know that there are many Catholics who are indifferent to this, but there are many, many Catholics also, together with a lot of people of goodwill, who recognize that this, this grave moral evil for what it is, who do everything they can to try to, to change it within the law, and who also try to reach out to uh, uh, the women and, to a certain extent, the men as well, uh, mothers and fathers for whom this uh, wound of an abortion in their lives it create has created spiritual and emotional difficulty. This is nothing new. I say yes, I agree with those b- statements from the bishops because, you know, if, if, if we're talking about someone who professes the Catholic faith, all the more are we concerned if they are opposed to this most fundamental teaching about life that the Church has uh, has upheld and proclaimed. So I think all of us have to rededicate ourselves to this. It is, you know, people can argue that it's discouraging, that it, it doesn't seem to, uh, to make any, any difference, but it does make a difference in the lives of a lot of people. And I think there are those who think that Roe versus Wade, what is it, how many years ago, uh, 40, 50 years ago, mm-hmm. that that's, that was a done deal and that that was the end of the discussion. Well, clearly it's not the end of the discussion the very fact that it continues to be such a prominent uh, conversation uh, in politics and religion and social life and so we we have to do you know keep speaking up for what is right and good we have to do it charitably uh, we have to try to we don't want to cause unnecessary divisions but we we can't you can't just pretend that it's not there uh, and you can't pretend that it's not there with people who profess our, our catholic faith There's nothing here that surprises me. I think it's part of this ongoing effort we are making, working and praying for an end to abortion.
1: Laurel from Simsbury says, In a day and age where we're bombarded with strong environmentalism and green ideas, what should be the proper response of a Christian to all these pressures? How do we find a proper balance in ecological concerns when we are faced by so many things that seem like extremes? such as the rise of couples who refuse to have children because of the impact on the environment.
0: Well, Laurel, it is a, a great uh, a challenge. Uh yes, as Pope Francis has emphasized, and I might add that sometimes people paint a picture as if Pope Francis were the only one to, or the first one to speak about the environment. You can go all the way back, I believe, to Paul VI, but if not him, certainly Uh, But I think he did. But certainly Pope uh, St. John Paul and Pope Benedict many times and forcefully spoke out about uh, the responsibility we have to be responsible stewards of uh, the creation entrusted to us by God. But I think that you talk about the balance of these concerns. I think you're quite right that some, for example, to deny uh, uh, the refusal to have children because of an impact on the environment to me is an extreme thing, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily borne out uh, by the, the, the uh, demographic studies that, ha- that are, are, are uh, done. It's one thing to use modern technology and knowledge and science uh, to address uh, ecological uh, concerns in a responsible way. It's another thing to simply say, well, we won't have any children because uh, of the impact on the environment. So uh, I think uh, you know what is the proper response. Well, I think uh, the balance—you use the right word—proper balance, and uh, that's where the church has tried to uh, to articulate that. Uh, but on the other hand, it's it's not just a theological question; it is a scientific one. It's a social one, and I think we have to uh, use our Catholic um, faith and principles with other people of goodwill and faith. Uh, to come to a reasonable uh, solution, uh, to be responsible stewards of creation.
1: Lee from Rocky Hill says, "When God brings suffering into our lives, how can we discern if that suffering should be met with patience and endurance, or with immediate life evaluation and alteration?"
0: Well, Lee, I'm not quite sure what that distinction is. Uh, of course, we have to, we have to respond to suffering with patience and endurance, as Christ did and has given us the example. You know, we're told that it's by our patient endurance that we win eternal life. But the, you, you pose as an alternative, an immediate life evaluation or alteration. Well, I suppose what you are asking is, is the cause of our suffering something that could be remedied by making a better or good choice in life uh, or the way we live our life? And there, certainly, you know, God doesn't want us to suffer uh, self-inflicted evils because of the way we're living. Uh, He he wants us to to overcome those things with his help and his grace. But when we've made good choices uh, or repented of bad choices, and in the midst of life as it is we have uh, suffering, uh, then we have to uh, endure that with patience in union with Christ on the cross.
1: Christina from Hamden says, what is the role of a deacon within a parish?
0: Well, deacons are ordained to, for uh, at works of charity, for service at the altar, and uh, for preaching. It, those are very general categories. So it, uh, or I, when I say preaching, I, it really is the service of the Word of God, which is, which is really more than just pr- preaching. Um, in fact, some of our deacons don't have the faculty to preach. That's very few. Most of them do. <clears throat> but the principal thing that a deacon does is the service of charity. And that goes back to the origins of the diaconate and the scriptures. Needless to say, those three things that I've described are pretty vague in themselves, inasmuch in as in each personality, in each deacon, in each situation, in each parish, it might be played out in a different way and one or another of those things might be more prominent in the life of a particular deacon because of his circumstances and talents. But those are the things, basically, to help to assist the priests in the parish in those areas.
1: Archbishop, we've come to the end of our time together. Can you close our program today with a prayer and a blessing, please?
0: Lord, as we find ourselves in the depths of winter, we also see that the days, again, are beginning to lengthen as a sign of that great cycle of life that is ours in this life, in this on this planet, as a sign of encouragement to us that when our days sometimes may be dark because of the pandemic or the many social and uh, moral issues that confront us, you are always there as the day star, as the sun that never sets. And so we look to you to help us to be courageous, uh, to be thoughtful, to commit ourselves to the promises of our baptism in the sure conviction that it is by following you and living the gospel that we bring goodness and life not only to ourselves but to our society and our world. We ask you to bless those who are suffering from COVID, for those who have died that they may have eternal rest, and for all those who in any way are afflicted as a consequence. And may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Archbishop, thank you for inviting us into the Archbishop's Corner, and uh, we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at the same time for another edition of the Archbishop's Corner. Until then, thank you. Stay well. Thank you, you too. Thank you.